All right, guys, we're back. <laughs> we are back. Uh, this this uh, today has been sponsored by things not going your way in the right time. <laughs> <laughs> things uh, not going your way. Oh man, everything's going your way, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just uh, God just used that as a perfect example, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So how you been, man? I'm doing excellent, man. I had the chillest weekend. I, I finished Breaking Bad again for the fifth time because there's like nothing else to do, and I had to unplug for the weekend and just do nothing. Right on. So, That's cool. Yeah. How I've had a you? chill weekend, too. Uh, I've had a pretty chill weekend, uh, not doing a whole lot, relaxing. Uh, although I did spend a little bit of time writing because, well, I just can't stop writing for some strange reason. You like it when you write? Uh, yeah. Actually had a long conversation with a friend of mine who's a screenwriter. And he is encouraging, encouraging me to write a screenplay. Really? Yeah. Let's hear some more about that. Well, <laughs> we had, like I said, we had a five-hour conversation. And he thinks I have the chops to write a screenplay. I've never written for, or, uh, for the big screen before, obviously. This guy's written a lot of screenplays, uh, dozens of them over the years. And he's read um, a lot of my books and articles. And he loved my article on the HBO Q hit piece. He's like, dude, he goes, I read that article. He's, thank you for writing that. Now I don't have to. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, I don't know if you watched the uh, the first two episodes of the HBO thing, but it was I was not impressed. Yeah, what didn't impress you the most? Everything. <laughs> the The audio was terrible. Uh, the mic volume on a lot of the scenes was so low you couldn't hear what the people were saying. You know, Denise and I are watching it. She keeps saying, "Turn it up, turn it up." I can't hear what they're saying, and I'm like, "It's at the maximum volume. It's loud as a go. I I can't hear what they're saying either." Uh, just a lot of um, poor quality, low budget. Uh, the, the music was horrible. Yeah, uh, that was Denise's number one mental illness was uh, this creepy, bizarre circus-like music that they uh, for the intro and that they also brought into different scenes. Uh, the whole effect was to try to make the people in the film look creepy. The camera angles, no makeup, dim lighting. Uh, it's, it was obvious to me that Hoback, the guy who made the film, wanted to portray cute people as creepy and weird. And he mm -hmm. did a, a really good job of, of that. Um, he selectively edited a lot of scenes to just include the, 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 um, enough information to, look, to make the people look uh, bizarre. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the mainstream media has been doing to us forever. Uh, they're just trying to make us all look uh, bizarre and, and creepy and weird. Um, that, was, that was definitely the subliminal message you were supposed to t take home yeah. from that series is these people are creepy and weird, and if you follow Q, you're creepy and weird like them. So, Meanwhile, we're the uh, only I, ones that are comfy AF. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no intention of watching uh, any more of the uh, the HBO, the documentary stuff. Not interested. Not Probably not going to watch it. Uh, it's, just, it's just too weird. And I've got better things to do with my time. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, yesterday I came up with a synopsis for a screenplay. We'll see here. And I don't know if I should divulge what it's about. But you know what I write about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going to be too surprising uh, what I'm writing about. That's Miguel hey, hey, Denise, you want to get that? That's Miguel Forney. You think she should tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Miguel Forney, I want to thank you personally for the awesome intro music that you came up with for this show. Um, I haven't been able to thank him personally, but uh, I just want to do a shout out and let him know I, I love the music. It's awesome. I'm, I'm honored that he did an intro for, for me. 
So yeah, I've been doing some writing. Um, and I wanted to pass along uh, an observation that I picked up yesterday. Uh, and, and this is for this is for everyone. It's not aimed at the, the whiners and complainers because, well, you know, I don't know that we're ever gonna convince the whiners and complainers that, that things are okay. Yeah. But there's a there's a very interesting irony that is coming out of the decision by the Supreme Court not to hear any of the election cases. And an unanticipated, uh, well, I guess you would say the law of unintended consequences. I'm not making excuses and I'm not forgiving the Supreme Court and I'm not saying that what they did was okay. Uh, they lacked courage. They, they showed a lack of moral integrity in not taking up any of these election cases. Mm -hmm. However, because the Supreme Court refused to hear any of these election cases, it forced the states to take action yep. and change their election laws, right? And what do we see now? We see uh, the state of Georgia passed sweeping election reform laws, right? So they're going to require uh, ID for vote by mail, which they have not done previously. They're taking steps to clean up the voter rolls. They're going to limit the number of drop boxes. There's a lot of reforms that are going on in Georgia regarding the election. And Kemp signed the bill, and Biden is livid about it. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually, in a, in a statement to the press, he said he's going to have the DOJ look into what Georgia has done with their election laws because well, obviously it's, it's, it's racist and it's trying to disenfranchise, you know, our Democrat voters. <laughs> so, oh so obviously what Georgia, what the legislature has done is, is the right thing. You're over the target and they're over the target, but it wouldn't have happened if probably if the Supreme court had heard all those cases that they filed. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also seeing changes in election laws in Michigan uh, I think we're going to see changes in Pennsylvania, Arizona. Here, we in Maricopa County, they're going to do an audit of the vote. They're going to audit the Dominion machines. They're going to audit the ballots. They're auditing the whole freaking thing. And when they find election fraud here in Arizona, and they will, um, it is. I think it's going to cause our state, uh, the Senate and the House, to pass election reform laws. First, you get the evidence that, that there's fraud. Then you go and you have your state Congress change the laws. And that's happening in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. and, and we talked about this before, but when states like Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania change their election laws to, um, to minimize fraud, it's going to cause other states to make changes. If you just read the headlines, just, there are other states that are passing measures, Wisconsin, has passed measures uh, in their assembly. They're actually, um, the state assembly has opened a, an investigation into the 2020 election and, and fraud allegations. Um, so there's, it's not that nothing is happening. Um, the, the things that, th these laws should have been changed a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, they, they never should have been passed. And a lot of the measures like in Georgia, the secretary of state, the position that the secretary of state takes in elections is gonna change. If we hadn't had all this fraud, the Supreme Court hadn't failed to take action, these states wouldn't be taking all the action that they're taking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, again, it kind of comes back to this idea that we, the people, are the ones who need to make the changes. Arizona is auditing the vote because we put massive pressure on our state uh, legislature. Phil Klein of the Amistad Project and his people they are holding regular weekly conference calls with people around the country who are on the ground uh, getting a hold of legislators and they're making changes to election laws around the country. Uh, we're getting people elected to uh, various county and state uh, positions and there is a huge grassroots movement going on right now that is going to, it's all around the country. And if you, if you don't know the people or you're not, you don't know where to find the information, you kind of assume nothing's happening, but there's actually a lot happening. 
And for the people who, um, who incorrectly assume that Q told us just to sit on our butts and do nothing and trust the plan and wait for the white hats to come in and rescue everybody. That has actually never been Q's message. That is taking some, a couple of things Q said out of, out of context. Mm -hmm. When Q said, has told people to trust the plan, that particular statement has always been made in the context of uh, actions that good people in the intelligence community and military can take. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been said as a broad statement telling us we need to do nothing. Yeah. In fact, Q has always told us that we the people have the power to change our government. We the people have the power to expose and remove corruption. It's up to us. Mm -hmm. You know, th this, this trope that is out there on the internet, oh, trust the plan, the good guys are gonna take care of it, and you guys can just sit back and do nothing. Yeah. It's never been true. Q has always told us, we need to be active on social media. We need to present facts and information to the public to combat the mainstream media's false narrative. Mm -hmm. We need to hold our elected leaders accountable. We need to run for school boards, get on, uh, be active in the community and do the things we can do. Q has always been telling us that we need to do our part and uh, good people in government will do their part. It's yeah. always been a partnership. And so I get a little annoyed and irritated by the trolls who are like, oh, trust the plan. How's that working for you? It's actually working very well. Yeah. Because, Agreed. because the, um, the election fraud issue has uh, exposed all the corruption. And that is what Q... You know, bottom line, what Q's operation is all about is exposing corruption. Mm -hmm. It is the exposure of institutional corruption in various aspects of society. Now that uh, corruption has been exposed in election fraud in county election boards and state election boards, um, we the people can see it and now we realize we have to do something about it. And mm -hmm. it's being done. It's happening. Uh, things are being changed because that fraud has been exposed. And it, you know, it's unfortunate that we had to go through this mess of an election in November, but what it did was it woke a lot of people up yeah. to the realities of, of fraud and corruption. And now people are taking steps to address it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm comfy AF because I see things changing all over the place. And you, know, medic, comfy think, AF. you can always, <laughs> <laughs> you can look at the glasses half empty or half full you know, and I see the glasses half full. Mm -hmm. uh, changes are, are taking place. It's because fraud was exposed. And, you know, we're moving in the right direction, regardless of what the trolls and haters and complainers say. Yeah. So, yeah. What, now what, so, like, all these laws are, are being changed and, and they're doing all this stuff. So then you're saying we can trust the, the next election cycle? That has yet to be determined. Because there's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and the next election that'll determine uh, how much we can trust the process. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be different in every state. And that's one of the issues we've got is, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala and Nancy Pelosi are trying to federalize the election process. It's never been a federal process. It's always been a state process. Uh, Kemp's decision to sign that um, election law reform in Georgia is causing Nancy and Joe Biden to want to put the pedal to the metal and get this federal election reform bill passed. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, HR1. They're going to run into problems because um, I don't think it's going to go through the Senate. Even if it passes in the House, it's not going to make it through the Senate. There's enough people that realize um, you don't want to federalize the election process. I mean, there are some things that might be advantageous. Passing a national voter ID law would be a good idea. But other than that, and, you know, they're, they're not going to pass that kind of a law. Yeah. They, if anything, they would uh, outlaw voter ID requirements. I think that's actually an HR1. So it has yet to be determined, I think, how the next election cycle is going to look, what the complexion of it's going to be. I think that's going to be determined by like the Arizona investigation. 
what I anticipate happening here in Maricopa County is they're probably going to find a lot of fraud. Um, some of the evidence they're trying to destroy already. We'll we'll see how that goes. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're going to be successful in getting rid of all the evidence. But legislature to say, you know, maybe we need to audit the entire state. <laughs> to find all this fraud in, in one county, in Maricopa County. Maybe we go and, elect and, and uh, audit the whole state. So the, when the fraud gets exposed um, at a state level, it's going to cause our state legislature to make changes. Other states are going to look at that and go, you know, we're, if your Dominion voting system is rigged and is corrupt, probably ours is too. I think mm -hmm. that we need to be pushing, at, we as citizens, need to be hammering this issue of um, electronic voting machines. Whatever, you know, whether it's Smartmatic or, or Dominion or whatever the, the, the software, the vendor is or the hardware, we as the people need to be pushing to our state legislators and uh, election uh, boards that they get rid of these electronic machines and go back to paper ballots. That's what they're doing in, in Antrim County, Michigan. They had enough irregularities there. They just decided in this next primary that they're getting rid of, uh, they're not going to use electronic machines. They're going to go paper ballots on it. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do on a nationwide basis. I think we just need to get rid of the electronic machines. And that's, that's not going to happen unless we, the people, are calling and emailing our state uh, you know, representatives and senators and telling them, look, we don't want these damn elect electronic machines mm -hmm. uh, screwing up another election. Get rid of them and go back to paper ballots. Um, that's something that we need to do. And, and if that happens, I think we'll, we'll have a good election going forward. But it, the, the changes need to, need to take place on a large scale if we're gonna, ever going to have fair elections again. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said that, you know, we need to get out there and make phone calls and emails and write letters and all that stuff. What else can people do to spot like this? Because, you know, as soon as we put anything on social media, <laughs> except CloudHub, it's gone. Yep. So. Uh, become a precinct chairman for <laughs> at, at the local level. I've got a couple of friends who are involved in uh, in local politics at the precinct level. And a lot of the complexion of politics is controlled at the regional level, at the, at the county and city level. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you get involved in your local precinct, get to know the people that are running it, um, you know, run for a position and get elected to a local um, position so that you have direct influence in the process. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really good idea. If you have the time and you have the ability to make the meetings and put a little bit of messaging out there on social media, run for a local elected spot. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of the ground that has been gained in this insurgency that we've undergone over the last you know, 15, 20 years has been because socialist sympathizers have gotten into positions on school boards at at the precinct level. And, and just other local positions where they've been able to leverage influence that has helped destroy our society, destroy our values, push agendas that most of us aren't in favor of. And we need to take that territory back. Mm -hmm. Look, we're, we've, we're in the middle of an insurgency war. Uh, <clears throat> the insurgents were out of power. We were running uh, a counterinsurgency, and now, now the insurgents are back in power again. Yeah. And we're, we're the, we're the counterinsurgents and we're out of power. The only way we're going to win this war of insurgency is to get our people in those places of power where, where we are the ones making the decisions. Uh, and we can make moral, ethical decisions based on the Constitution. But we need to get those people out of those elected positions. Um, you know, if you run for mayor of your if it's small town, uh, run for you know county board of supervisors here in Maricopa. We're going to probably going to recall our entire uh, board of supervisors, except for maybe one person. Mm -hmm. And those positions are going to need to be filled. And those positions have a lot of power because they're the ones who oversaw the election and allowed all this rigging to go on here in Maricopa County. Yeah, uh, they don't. It doesn't seem like a very powerful position, but it actually is. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and we need our people in those positions. How can we organize? Yeah, it's something I've been thinking about though lately because we're we're definitely the majority, even even though they tell us we're not. You know, if we could if we could just mobilize and organize a little bit better, you know, collectively the the hundred million people, eighty million, hundred million, whatever you want to say, like yep. we we gotta have more organization. We gotta, you know, we're we're a force to be reckoned with, but we're all kind of. Uh, we're posting the telegram and we're doing all this other stuff. We're not stepping up and running for positions like where you're talking about. I think some people are, but like, well, if we really organized and, uh, and came together a little bit more like that and made our voices really heard, like in a huge way, not just on social media. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think that social media is where it's at actually. And it's easy to, to dismiss the importance of social media, but most people communicate. Uh, right now and get their information on social media. That's true. Um, you know, most of us are shoved off of Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. So those platforms are not available for us. It would be very difficult right now for a patriotic conservative person or group to have any presence on Facebook right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, traditionally, that's how people have done it. They've created groups and uh, pages on Facebook to get the message out that way. That avenue is not available to most patriots anymore. Uh, if you have a, a message of patriotism uh, and populism, you're, you're, you're probably gonna get shut down on, mm -hmm. on the big social media platforms. Uh, YouTube was a great venue for a lot of people. And now it's pretty much, you know, if you want to you know, teach people how to do watercolor painting, well, YouTube is great for that, but if you, if you have a political process. opinion, if you have a political opinion, uh, you're probably not going to be welcome on YouTube, right, or Twitter. So, um, one of the ways in which people are organizing, the people that I know locally, who are you know, getting involved in their at the precinct level, or at the county level, is they they're on Telegram. They've, people have just gone to Telegram and there's all these Telegram chat rooms and yeah, some of them are kind of full of nonsense. Some of them are actually very um, insightful and instructive. There's a lot of good information on them. Mm -hmm. uh, another way is to get involved with organizations like the Amistad Project and you know, Phil Klein. He has um, some people that he's working with who are organizing these weekly uh, uh, phone calls, large group phone calls, where people are strategizing and coming up with tactics and specific ideas on how to change the culture through the local uh, electoral process. Um, if you're interested in, in finding out more about that, I would contact you know uh, Amistad Project. They're they're very very aggressively pursuing this. Um, I th hey honey, mm -hmm. does Phil have a Telegram channel? You know. I really don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if the Amistad Project has a Telegram channel, but they are on Twitter. Mm -hmm. and, and You should spell that, spell that for people. Who Amistad, A-M-I-S-T-A-D Project. Mm -hmm. And Phil Klein is the guy who's, who runs that. Um, he was a former attorney general for Kansas, actually. Very intelligent man. Yeah, and he has uh, a website, too. You can join their email list. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, go to their website, and they've, I think they've got resources on there and, and contacts. Um, they're, they're doing a lot of good work, and, and they're, tr they're really they're kind of training and equipping people to get out there and do uh, what they can at the local level. But, but I, I think social media is important. I think, um, you know, I don't have a Telegram channel myself just because I don't have the headspace to, <laughs> to run another social media platform and uh, telegram channels have issues yeah you get trolls and bots and all the other stuff that goes in there and uh then there's all the drama that people bring into you know a place like that and it would just end up turning into a mess and a lot of people would get offended and angry and end up getting booted out of the <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't i don't have the headspace for all the drama of, of that um yeah. so so yeah I don't have a Telegram channel right now, but um, yeah, a lot of good people do, and and there is good information. Denise is active on Telegram. She's in a number of different Telegram chat rooms and connecting with people. Um, I think there's actually a very good.
place to connect and strategize with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, you know, start going to the local meetings, uh, you know, board of supervisors when they meet or, or any of your local uh, elected boards, go to the meetings, start learning the issues, uh, start having a voice. You know, when they ask for input and questions, raise your hand uh, and let them know how you feel. Um, get to know the issues, the people, the agendas, and maybe run for elected office. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, there, our system got corrupted because we, the people, let it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, politics, it, it's, it's not the most exciting subject. Most people don't get real excited about what is happening at the local level, um, you know, politically. Unfortunately, that is the place where we have the greatest ability to impact our, our, our culture, probably. Um, and if we don't take the responsibility, and if we don't get involved locally, uh, someone else will, mm-hmm. and that someone else may not have a, a good agenda. That yeah. someone else may have an evil agenda. Yeah. And they, those people take advantage of apathy among people like us, and they just wedge their way into the political system. They get in positions of power. They make the decisions. They, make, they vote certain ways to allow uh, corrupt entities to come in and take over. And that's on us. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are allowing that to happen. Yeah. And we need to, we need to not allow that to happen anymore. Yeah. Trust the plan doesn't mean sit back. Doesn't mean sit on your butt and, you know, I mean, we, we all love the, the memes, you know, Hey, get your popcorn, you know, be comfy and all that stuff. They're memes. The only way any of us should really be comfy is if we know that we're doing everything we can to make our voice heard and to be involved in, in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're involved in the process, if your voice is being heard, if you're making a difference, um, then you can sit back and be comfy. If evil people are running your local uh, political um, committees and you're not doing anything, you shouldn't be comfy. You, you should be worried. <laughs> and that worry should get you involved in the process. So. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people saying they're not comfy with Biden. I'm well, actually, all, I'm all right with the things he's doing, man. Uh, I'm kind of... A, and in that regard, I am enjoying the show. What are you thinking about that presser the other day? I didn't watch it, uh, <laughs> although I loved. Although I tried. I loved Tucker Carlson's Tucker Carlson's um, take on the presser was hilarious, uh, I, but I didn't watch the, the presser. Um, I saw a little clips of it. <laughs> what did you think of it? I I tried to watch it just a little bit. I I couldn't. I had to turn it off. But I, I think he's doing a great job red pilling people. What do you think? Oh, he's red pilling people like crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, Suppositories. Yeah. It's kind of funny because you have, um, you you could break our our community into a couple of different subgroups. And you have people who are, you know, running around with their hair on fire, all anxious and worried because they're concerned that, Joe is going to turn America into communist China. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, obviously that's their goal. That's what they want. They want us enslaved. They want us put into an extremely oppressive um, system where they can control us and have control over every aspect of our lives. That's what they want. Yeah. Right. So there are some people who think that's actually happening or it's going to happen. And every move that Joe Biden makes is taking us closer and closer to uh, a society like uh, communist China. So that's one outlook. And those people really get on my nerves mm-hmm. because they, they have zero faith. Yeah. They, they, they have no trust. They, don't, they obviously don't believe there are any good, moral, uh, patriotic people in the military or in government who are going to oppose that action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I happen to believe there are. I happen to believe that when uh, when Joe and the corruptocrats go far enough with this idiotic agenda, um, good moral people 
are going to stand up and say, okay, well, you've crossed the red line and now we're going to take action against you. Mm-hmm. And that could be, that could be people in the military who, you know, do what they're doing in Myanmar and, you know, military coup, essentially. Yeah. Or it could be, if it's not the military, it's going to be patriotic Americans mm-hmm. around this country. They're patriotic Americans around this country who are armed are not going to allow uh, Obama and Biden to foist an oppressive regime on this country. It ain't going to happen. If they try, they're going to wish they hadn't. Yeah. I'll just say that. Uh, And I'm not endorsing violence. I'm an analyst and I look at, I read the tea leaves and I can tell you if they go far enough and, and they probably will, all those patriotic American gun owners ain't going to take too kindly to that. Yeah, come and you know, take so, it. So, you know, we're, we're coming to a confrontation at some point. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's the confrontation. It's hot. You know, when enough people arrive at the precipice, well, hey, look, there's a cliff. If we keep going in that direction, we're going over the cliff. Mm-hmm. We can maybe take control of our country and take it away from the cliff. And and that's that's where we're, we're headed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the shootings were almost at one a day now, you know? Yeah, right. Well, the you know, they're going to keep... Agenda. Yep. The, the shootings are going to continue. The false flags will continue. And they're going to continue pushing and harping on this. We got a yeah, common sense gun control. Yeah, yeah, keep keep it up. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Come on. Just... What else you got? <laughs> what else you got? Uh, they're they're going to push people to the edge. And like I said, they're going to wish they hadn't yeah. because uh, law of unintended consequences is going to come and hit them pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I think it already is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't help their cause any anymore. Those of us that are out here like exposing this stuff and talking about it and, and pointing this out. And, you know, now some of us have our, our friends and neighbors that were, previously laughing at us and and now they're coming along hey what do you think about this what what do you see going on behind the scenes of this what boy this is uh interesting it's it's only a matter of time before uh yeah before progressives look at what joe is doing and go you know oh gosh really is this where we're going uh there i don't think they're comfy af they're so not comfy af the panic is real man (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it is because, um, you know, this may be an unpopular opinion, but liberals aren't actually stupid. I I was a liberal. Uh, I grew up embracing liberal ideology. Uh, My parents were liberals. So Mm -hmm. is Denise. Uh, um, You know, there's all this acrimony and hatred toward liberals, uh, which I think is it's not true. It's just a lot of um, anger and frustration being ex- expressed. Uh, people who adopt a liberal perspective are not stupid people. Mm-hmm. Many of them are college educated. Uh, but, you know, it's, they just have a different perspective on life. Like you and I were both, we didn't believe uh, in Jesus. We weren't, you know, Christians at one point in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then one day we, w- we were. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We had a perspective change. We once saw the world one way, and then, you know, the next day we saw it the other way. So true. Um, mine was, you know, both of our our, our um, coming to Jesus moments were pretty pretty radical, pretty fast, and we started going in the opposite direction. And I know a lot of people, and I get messages from people who, uh, this friend of mine that I talked to yesterday, he's uh, he's discipling this woman who was a hardcore progressive leftist uh, woman and she came to Jesus and uh, she is now a hardcore Trump supporter and Q follower. And there's a lot of those people out there, Mm -hmm. liberals or progressives. They're not really stupid people. They just have a different way of seeing things. And if you give them good information and allow them to do a little research on their own, because they're intelligent, they will figure it out. And they'll look at what's going on and go, you know, this is uh, this is not very, <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. That's that's what's going on right now. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, 
progressives who are probably going to realize they were sold a, a damaged bill of goods and are going to have some buyer's remorse. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's impossible for the media to completely cover up Joe Biden's uh, idiocy. Yeah. They're, they're going to try. <laughs> they're going to try. <laughs> They've got four years of covering up the poo in the cat litter box and call it saying that's not cat poop there. That's something else. Or just yeah. swoop some more sand over that and pretend you didn't see that. The, the media can't continue to cover up everything that these guys are doing. And there's more people getting red-pilled all the time. It's the Great Awakening because that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. The Great Awakening is about opening people's eyes to the truth and letting them see what's really going on. And it's happening. Mm -hmm. Now, you say that they, they're not dumb people. You know, they're... You know, I'm... I'm maybe not so comfy AF with that. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just being honest. But, you know, it's like... But I think I think a lot of these people learn a lot of this stuff in college. You know, they say they love science, but then they don't love science. It's programming, you know. Dude, yeah. it's programming. So how do we crack that? Like I'm trying Everything to get my college student to go look some stuff up, but you know, boy, dad's just super dumb, and and you know, I don't need to go look right. that up. Well, and, and that's how they that's how they uh, they think, and that's how we think. We think that these people who don't agree with our ideas are dumb. We think mm -hmm. they're stupid. We think they're blind. They think the same thing about us. They think we're a bunch of redneck, uneducated hillbillies who can't tie our shoes in the morning, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you get, you've got two groups of people with opposing ideologies, each I don't of even which wear thinks, shoes in the morning. Yeah, me neither. I like, I'm a sock <laughs> uh, But we have two groups with opposing ideologies, both of which think the opposition is uneducated and stupid. Mm -hmm. And that is a mental programming that we have all accepted. Hmm. We have been led to believe that those people are ignorant and stupid. They've been led to believe that we're ignorant and stupid because um, the, the people at the very top, the power brokers, they're happy when we're fighting each other. Mm -hmm. They like it when we fight against each other, left against right, conservative against liberal, uh, Muslim against Christian, you know, whatever your dichotomy is, they, the, the power brokers who keep us all under their power, like it when we are calling each other names, when we're suspicious, and when we're fighting amongst ourselves. What they don't like is when we unify, and then we look at them and go, those are the people who are, uh, we need to be fighting against. Mm -hmm. A really effective way to red pill people um, what is what is it to red pill someone? Change their mind, mm -hmm. change their way of thinking, and everything you think and everything I think is a matter of programming. The human brain is very similar to a computer program or, or a computer or a hard drive. Uh, you can get the human mind to think almost anything if you give it the programming that allows it to think that way, mm -hmm. right? Every human being has a different set of experiences, different perspective, different uh, idea of who they are, what the world is like. It's all based on programming. Mm -hmm. What have we been programmed to think in the past? We currently operate, our current operating system is a function of the programming that we've received during our lifetime, whether that's Elementary school, high school, college, all of it, life experiences, movies that we watched, podcasts we've listened to. That's all programming. Mm -hmm. It programs our mind to see the world in a certain way. The way that you change a person's operating system is you give them new programming. Mm -hmm. And... The, the best way to change someone's mind is to love them unconditionally. Mm -hmm. That is my bottom line. Um, I think the, the most effective way to change someone's mind is to show them unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Because generally speaking, if, if uh, you're talking to someone who has a different perspective than you, they might think you're stupid mm -hmm. or they might think you're evil. 
or they might think you have some evil, weird agenda because you don't think the way I think. But if you show that person love, that tends to negate their beliefs about you. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you if you love them unconditionally, they can't say that you're evil. Yeah, it's uh, like they, keeping they, hot coals on their head, right? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the idea. If you want to change someone's mind, love oh, them no, they're loving me, man. <laughs> they're loving me. No, don't show me love. You're supposed to be a hateful, mean, angry, white person. Don't show me love because yeah. that that uh, contradicts my programming. But that's, but that's the idea. The reason why people resist the messages we try to give them is because they don't trust us. They put up a wall around their heart. And that wall prevents our message from going to into their heart and changing the way they think. Hmm. People put up walls because they don't trust us. All right. So <clears throat> when we're trying to convince, you know, an agnostic or an atheist that Jesus loves them, they'll put up a wall. And they're not going to listen to our message because they don't trust us. What we have to do is we have to get them to take down the wall. We can't do it from the outside. You cannot force someone to trust you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. If they're going to trust you, they have to do it of their own volition. And when they trust you, they take down the wall. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you get them to take down the wall? They'll only... They're only going to take down that wall if they trust you. And the easiest way to get them to trust you is to show unconditional love. Mm -hmm. so show them unconditional love, regardless of what they say about you, regardless of how they treat you. You show them love. Yeah. You show them enough love. You show them love. You show them some more love. You continue to show them love. And eventually they realize you're not out to hurt them. You're not an evil person. You don't have some uh, some nefarious agenda with them. That you actually care about them and love them. Mm -hmm. right? And if they perceive you as a person who loves them and, and that they can trust, they'll take down the wall. Then you can speak the truth to them. Uh, if we are able then to speak the truth to them, the truth destroys the deceptive programming that they believe their entire life. Mm -hmm. okay. So when, when once the wall is down and we can speak truth to them, if we have the truth in us and we can give them the truth, the truth will then start to reprogram their, their way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And they'll destroy the deception and the lies. It'll open their eyes to the truth. And that'll change the way that they view the world. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to be in a context where someone needs healing, you pray for them to be healed and they get a miracle. Well, let's say they have migraines or they have a, you know, ba a bad shoulder or a bad hip. Mm -hmm. You pray for them to be healed. You release power and they receive a healing miracle, right? Now they have an, an incident that just happened that they can't explain. Love takes down the wall. Truth sets their mind free and power testifies to the reality of truth. Hmm. Power, a demonstration of power backs up your truth and solidifies it in their mind. This person has the ability to heal me, release power. They have the ability to speak the truth to me and they love me. Uh, that's that is being Jesus to the people around you, and if you look at what Jesus did, his ministry that was his ministry. Um, he would converse with people and show them unconditional love. Mm -hmm. it would, they would take down the wall. Woman at the well, good example. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> he would speak the truth to them. And if they needed healing, he would release power and create a miracle and they'll get healed and they would walk away from that experience a completely different person yeah 
Um, and you know, if we want to, if we want to be Jesus to, to the world, that's the that's the formula. We love people unconditionally. Get them to take down the wall. Speak the truth to them. Release power. Mm-hmm. Um, really simple way to uh, to approach life and to change people's lives for the better. Um, I got that from Steve Harmon, friend of mine. Yeah. Who uh, lives in California, and he's done a lot of emotional healing for survivors of satanic ritual abuse. Steve kind of came up with this uh, little formula after years and years of beating his head against the wall. Um, he, he started to you know, figure out, like, what are the common denominators? What things can we do to, to reach people mm-hmm. and who, are, who are resistant to our message? And, and that's what he came up with, and uh, I, I found it to be true. So, Yeah, I like it. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to do that with uh, with uh, you know my college student. You know, I'm just trying to trying to love her so much. You know, it's hard though. You know, because I do love her so much. You know, sometimes it's like you know the back and forth gets a little rough. But you know, I'm just trying to love her. You know. Yeah. Well, sometimes just trying to love them is all you can do. Is all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very easy. She's my girl. <laughs> So, you know, well, you know, <laughs> you know, we want the best things for our kids, you, you know, but yeah, trying to, right. trying to learn some different ways. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate when they don't realize that we want the best for them. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, she's, uh, she's 19 now. She knows everything. So, uh. Oh yes, I gotta remember back when I was well, back when I was nineteen, I was a totally different animal. But <laughs> you know, we're all invincible at that age. You can't. You can't uh, I was ten feet tall and bulletproof. Come on, man! Uh, I, I've got, I've got the scars to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted, I definitely wanted to ask you about this. Um, what did you think about? Uh, Trump's statement, where's Durham? Uh, head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when you've got person? as much hair as I have, you have to be careful scratching your head and what you scratch <laughs> your head with. <laughs> yeah, curious. I'm not sure exactly um, what his intent was with that message. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, is is he expressing frustration? Maybe. Uh, is he signaling to his base that he knows something is coming? Maybe. I, I don't know. It was. It's hard for me to read that particular message and and infer you know, a solid. You know, this is what you know Trump is doing with that message. I don't really know what his intent was with that message. Yeah. I found it interesting. Yeah. I think you know we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think that if uh, Biden and the DOJ try to do anything, uh, anything squirrely regarding Durham, I think they're going to regret it Mm -hmm. because it'll probably cause Durham to start unsealing indictments and making arrests. That would be beautiful. If there's any attempt to quash his investigation, I have no idea if that's in fact what Biden plans to do, but... I think uh, I think Durham's going to have to be on the front burner sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and we'll see what happens. I guess. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. What do you think about if he goes down to the border? You know, they're asking Trump to come down there. Yeah, and he's been he's been talking about you know I'm thinking about it I'm considering it. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you have to ask yourself why would he go to the border? What's the objective? Strategically, what does we want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Um, you know, conservatives right now are trying to make as much hay as they can uh, while the sun is shining on the issue of the border. It's because it's one it's a one glaring weakness that, that Biden has, and he's not dealing with it very well. And his lack of transparency isn't helping him. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, progressives are getting a little bit irritated with Biden is because you know they're they're supposedly all about human rights uh, and treating those people well and they're 
starting to perceive that those people are not being treated well. And, you know, Biden's hypocrisy, um, you know, yelling at Trump about how the, the kids are being treated at the border. And now we have the same problem here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know strategically what the, what the goal would be, what would be the benefit of it. Um, I don't know that he's even going to go there. Uh-huh. You know, if he does, um, it, it'll get coverage. I'm sure right side broadcasting and, and a couple other People will be able to will be able to uh, probably cover it. You know, would Trump do like some kind of a <clears throat> a a public statement, uh, a speech from the border? Maybe I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure what he would do if he went there. So again, you know, it's kind of scratching my head, waiting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's all fascinating. I, I'm loose. It is. I'm loosely following everything. You know, I'm not like. Uh just in a different season was all that right now, you know, but I always like to get yeah, your opinion. Yeah. I'm not following all that stuff real closely. I mean, I'm watching, but I don't know how much meaning you can uh, put in a lot of these things. It's unfortunate because <laughs> there are people on social media who want to imply meaning in everything. Yeah. You know, this, the stranded, uh, cargo ship in the Suez Canal. There's people who are just doing all these videos and posts about the meaning of, you know, the the name of the ship and the evergreen containers and all the other yeah. the, the tugboats around it. And I think they're just trying to maintain relevance on social media. We have to have something to talk about. So let's talk about this and let's find some meaning there, even if it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a little bit weary of people who try to always find meaning in every little nuance. And a lot of times they're just, um, they're really just projecting meaning into things where there isn't any meaning. Yeah. It doesn't really help our cause either. It doesn't help our cause. It kind of, in a lot of cases, it makes us look stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you've worked with me on that over the last couple of years. that time you're like how many times has tom hanks mentioned in the drops i'm like all right dave gotta go (laughs) (laughs) oh man right well i love medic mondays i love that we're doing this what 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 are you focusing in on this week what are you doing what are you writing how can we be praying for you i'm gonna be working on on some classes i think coming up here um so on on the website prayingmedic.com uh, on the classes tab, there's one class up there. It's uh, it's a healing class, and uh, I'm going to be putting together some other classes. One of which is going to be a class on seeing in the spirit, and I'm also going to put together a class on self-publishing uh, for people who want to learn how to publish their own books. Uh, I'm going to have a pretty extensive, lengthy class on. The business and art of self-publishing, but yeah, that's the page where the classes, where, where the one class is held, and I'll be I'm going to be adding some more classes in the in the near future. Uh, working on finishing up a book on dream interpretation. Um, I'm just doing a little bit of uh, doing some, you know, finish polishing, wordsmithing, the text of that document, and then this week I'll be working on the um, the dream symbols dictionary. And that's going to be a slog because that's just not a whole lot of fun. Yeah. But it has to be done, so I'm going to uh, take the bullet for the team and <laughs> plow my way through a 700-term uh, dream dictionary Jeez, and uh, hopefully have that done by the end of the week. So you can pray for me to have endurance as I go through uh, all these terms and find the biblical references and definitions and things. That's That'll be taking up a lot of my week. Well, Lord, I just ask you to give Dave the endurance that he needs to get through this, to get through this, uh, this terms. And Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. Lord, we just ask you to bless him and Denise in every single way. Lord, put a head of protection around him. Put those secret service angels all around him. And Lord, let him just have the best week doing what you brought him here to do. In Jesus' name, we're lifting him up. Amen. Thank you, Greg. And thank you, everyone who's praying for us. We love you, man. Oh, you know what? Uh, do me a favor also this week. Keep Denise in prayer. Okay. Uh, 
she has been inspired to do a new form of painting. She's actually over there painting right now. Really? Um, she, yeah, she's got into this new medium called um, acrylic ink. So it's like acrylic paint, but it's really thin like ink. And uh, she, she's been doing some paintings in acrylic ink, and I really like it. She really likes it. She's been really motivated lately to put her art career into full gear. Yes. And uh, I would appreciate prayer for her that any obstacles that are you know, going to try to rear their ugly heads would be just knocked down, and she'd be able to move forward with her art career. So she would appreciate prayer. Well, Lord, I just ask you to lift up Denise, and Lord, I'm like visually seeing in my head, I'm asking these obstacles just be demolished like a Lego wall, just tumble them down, and, and Lord, just let her step out into the full uh, creative nature that you have for her, and Lord, we just ask you to just give her such a joy about it that the enemy, it, just, it, can't, it has no power over her. So, Lord, we just ask you to release that creativity and bring in that joy, and we thank you so much for her in advance. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Everybody wants to see. Oh, everyone wants to see what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, hey, honey. Yeah. Um, could you, you bring your little pad over here and, and let the viewers see one of your acrylic ink paintings or not? Is Ooh, that sneaky. Do you have one that... All right. Sit tight. Sneaky. When you said everyone wants to see, I'm like, well, we all want to see. <laughs> what are we going to see? Hold on, wait. We get a drum okay. roll for this one. Come on. There we go. A little abstract composition oh, wow. there. wow. In acrylic ink. Uh, yeah, let me, go, let me go full screen. So she, uh, Denise was actually trained in realism as a painter. She did portraits for a long time. And she didn't no longer found realism challenging enough. So she decided to move into abstract. Wow. She's been studying abstract uh, art for a couple of years, she actually finds abstract much more difficult to do. Uh, she, hey, honey, if you're looking for a challenge, I guess you picked the right one. Because coming up with um, a pleasing composition um, and the use of you know, texture, highlight, shadow in, in an abstract uh, is a completely different animal. Yeah. And, a lot of people think that abstract art is just throwing a bunch of paint on a canvas, but that's, well, that's one way people do it. That's not how she does it. She actually spends a lot of time laboring over good composition with her, her abstract art. She's worked a career as a graphic designer and she understands and the ideas of um, how some elements work well in a composition, whether you're doing ad copy or a book cover or whatever you're doing, there are certain um, elements of composition, balance, tone, contrast, <laughs> that make for pleasing art. And it's the same with abstract as it is with realism. So she's been kind of wrestling with these, these, um, these issues, kind of working through things. And she, fi she finds it really challenging. And I'm, I'm glad that, what she, that she's doing it. Um, she's... She's enjoying it a whole lot, and uh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the future. So I'm, uh, uh, awesome. I love what she's doing. I love what she's doing because I love her. So Yay. that's how it works. Well, we love both <laughs> of you guys. So it's nice to see that you guys are, you know, you're comfy AF. You're still in the fight, and you're and you're loving what you're doing. So you know that's huge. We can't ask for anything yeah. more than that, right? You can't ask for much more than that. We're we're in the fight. We are loving life. Uh, we see that God is doing good things. We're very optimistic about the future. And uh, yeah. I think we need to try to see the good uh, instead of dwelling on things that we, we perceive as, as uh, not so good. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. All right, Dave. Well, I got to get out of here. Let's go on, on, uh, let's go on, on our old favorite, the storm.